Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm nearing the end of a series that I've been doing for four weeks on hardness of heart. And this is a truth that has just become a part of me. It is foundational in my life. And I tell you, I think that this has a huge potential to transform your life if you could understand these things. I taught about what is a hardened heart, the crisis, what is the cause of a hardened heart? That's the cause. And now I've been talking about what's the cure for a hardened heart. I hadn't got time to go back through this, but again, uh, tomorrow is going to be my last day to offer this product on our television program. And so I encourage you to please get this book. It's just a real quick read. It's only 92 pages, I think. And it's uh, short, but it's powerful. And then I've got CDs and DVDs that also deal with this. So we've established that your heart basically goes the direction of your dominant thought. Probably not just thought, but focus. The way that you think and process. You may have individual random thoughts, but the way that you focus on something, what your heart is focused upon, or the scriptural terminology in Mark chapter 6, verse 52, is it says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Their heart became hardened because of what they considered or failed to consider. Whatever you consider, focus on. It, your heart becomes sensitive to, dominated by whatever you fail to consider, your heart becomes hardened to. And the sad fact is most Christians have information about God, but they aren't really focused on it. They're more focused on this world. They're more focused on what the banker has to say, the lawyer has to say, the doctor has to say than they are what God's Word has to say about it. And because of that, they are insensitive to God and they are very sensitive to all the doubt and the unbelief that comes through the world. Yesterday, I ended with this story in Matthew chapter 17, and this is where Jesus came to His disciples, and there was a man who had a son who the, uh, the King James calls it lunatic. This doesn't mean that he was out of his mind. It means that he had some kind of a seizure problem, if you look the word up. And, and it even describes this over in the Mark's account of this. It describes it as he fell into the fire and off into the water and stuff. So it was some kind of seizure. It would like be like something like epilepsy. And they, this father brought his son to the disciples, and they tried to cast this spirit out of this boy and see the cure but they couldn't do it. So when Jesus came down, the father brought the son to Jesus and says, I asked your disciples to cast this demon out, and they couldn't do it. And so he asked Jesus if he would do it. And Jesus was not pleased with their inability to meet this need. And he rebuked them and said this, Matthew chapter 17, verse 17, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. So he was not pleased with his disciples' inability to meet this need. And then in verse 18, Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. In verse 19, it says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? 
MAN, THAT IS A GREAT QUESTION. And, AND I COULD SPEND MORE TIME ON THIS, BUT LET ME JUST SAY, THE VERY FACT THAT THEY ASKED THIS QUESTION SHOWED THAT THEY BELIEVED THEY COULD AND EVEN SHOULD HAVE CAST THIS DEMON OUT. PEOPLE THAT DON'T BELIEVE GOD DOES MIRACLES TODAY, THEY DON'T HAVE QUESTIONS LIKE THIS. THERE'S A LARGE SEGMENT OF THE BODY OF CHRIST THAT BELIEVE THAT MIRACLES PASSED AWAY uh, IN THE FIRST CENTURY AND THAT THEY DON'T HAPPEN TODAY, AND BECAUSE OF THAT, THEY DON'T HAVE A QUESTION, GOD, WHY DIDN'T YOU HEAL THIS PERSON? BECAUSE THEY DON'T BELIEVE THAT GOD HEALS TODAY. BUT FOR PEOPLE TO BE ASKING A QUESTION AND SAY, WHY COULDN'T WE DO THIS? IT SHOWS THAT THEY BELIEVE THEY COULD AND EVEN SHOULD HAVE DONE IT. AND SO THIS REVEALS A LOT. IT, it REVEALS THAT THEY USED THEIR FAITH IN THE 10TH CHAPTER OF THE BOOK OF MATTHEW, JESUS HAD GIVEN THEM POWER AGAINST ALL SICKNESS, ALL DISEASE, AND ALL DEMONS TO CAST THEM OUT. HE SAID IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 10, VERSE 8, HEAL THE SICK. HE DIDN'T SAY PRAY FOR THE SICK. HE SAYS HEAL THEM. THERE'S A DIFFERENCE IN APPROACHING THE SICKNESS AND SAYING, OH, GOD, WE ARE NOTHING. WE HAVE NOTHING. WE CAN DO NOTHING. WOULD YOU PLEASE STRETCH FORTH YOUR HAND AND HEAL? THAT'S THE WAY THAT MOST PEOPLE PRAY, BUT that'll, YOU'LL DIE PRAYING THAT WAY. YOU HAVE TO TAKE YOUR AUTHORITY AND SAY, I HAVE AUTHORITY IN THE NAME OF JESUS. I COMMAND THIS TO LEAVE. YOU SPEAK TO THE SICKNESS INSTEAD OF TO GOD ABOUT THE SICKNESS. AND SO THESE DISCIPLES HAD DONE THOSE THINGS, AND, and YET THEY DIDN'T SEE THE RIGHT RESULTS. AND IF YOU START PRAYING FOR THE SICK, YOU WILL SEE PEOPLE HEALED, BUT YES, YOU WILL SEE PEOPLE THAT DON'T GET HEALED, AND THEN THE QUESTION COMES UP, WHO IS AT FAULT? WELL, IT'S NOT GOD, THAT'S FOR SURE. THERE'S MULTIPLE THINGS INVOLVED. THE PERSON THAT YOU'RE PRAYING FOR NEEDS TO HAVE SOME FAITH, AND I BASE THAT ON MARK CHAPTER 6 WHERE JESUS COULDN'T DO ANY MIGHTY WORKS IN HIS HOMETOWN BECAUSE OF THEIR UNBELIEF. SO EVEN JESUS, WHO WAS OPERATING IN FAITH PERFECTLY, COULD NOT MINISTER HEALING TO PEOPLE WHO WOULDN'T BELIEVE. THERE HAS TO BE SOME DEGREE OF FAITH. THE MORE FAITH YOU HAVE, THE LESS FAITH THERE HAS TO BE ON THE PERSON'S PART WHO'S RECEIVING, BUT THERE HAS TO BE SOME RECEPTIVENESS ON THE PART OF THE PERSON WHO'S RECEIVING THE PRAYER. SO THERE'S MULTIPLE REASONS WHY WE DON'T ALWAYS SEE RESULTS. BUT THE DISCIPLES CAME TO JESUS AND SAID, WHY COULD NOT WE CAST HIM OUT? AND LOOK AT JESUS' ANSWER. HE SAID, BECAUSE OF YOUR UNBELIEF. FOR VERILY, I SAY UNTO YOU, IF YOU HAVE FAITH AS A GRAIN OF MUSTARD SEED, YOU SHALL SAY UNTO THIS MOUNTAIN, REMOVE HENCE TO YONDER PLACE, AND IT SHALL REMOVE, AND NOTHING SHALL BE IMPOSSIBLE UNTO YOU. SO LET ME JUST ACKNOWLEDGE THIS, THAT THE NIV TRANSLATION SAYS, IT'S BECAUSE OF YOUR LITTLE FAITH. I TOTALLY REJECT THAT BASED ON THE CONTEXT, BECAUSE THE VERY NEXT PHRASE AFTER HE SAYS THIS, HE SAYS, FOR VERILY, IF YOUR FAITH IS AS A GRAIN OF MUSTARD SEED, EMPHASIZING THE SMALLNESS OF IT. THERE'S ANOTHER PLACE IN MARK CHAPTER 4 WHERE IT SAYS THE MUSTARD SEED IS THE SMALLEST OF ALL SEEDS. AND SO THIS IS WHAT HE'S TALKING ABOUT. IF YOUR FAITH IS TEENY TINY, IF IT'S LIKE THIS, THAT'S ENOUGH TO SEE A MOUNTAIN CAST INTO THE SEA IF YOU DON'T DOUBT IN YOUR HEART. SO THE CONTEXT IS NOT TALKING ABOUT THAT YOU NEED BIG FAITH, LARGE FAITH. IT WASN'T SAYING THAT. THAT'S WHAT THE NIV SAYS. IT SAYS IT'S YOUR LITTLE FAITH. BUT IN THE NEXT VERSE, VERSE 21, THE NIV JUST TOTALLY TAKES THAT OUT OF THE BIBLE. IT'S NOT EVEN IN THE NIV. I DON'T KNOW HOW THEY GET BY WITH DOING STUFF LIKE THAT. I AM NOT SAYING THAT THE NIV IS OF THE DEVIL, BUT I'M SAYING THAT IT'S NOT PERFECT BY ANY STRETCH OF THE IMAGINATION, AND I DISAGREE WITH THEIR STATEMENT THAT THIS IS BECAUSE OF YOUR LITTLE FAITH. NO, HE SAYS THE PROBLEM IS YOUR UNBELIEF. AND SOME PEOPLE THINK, WELL, WHAT'S THE DIFFERENCE? IF YOU'VE GOT UNBELIEF, THAT MEANS YOU DON'T HAVE ANY FAITH. 
That's not so. Matter of fact, if you read this same account over in Mark chapter 9, in verse 20, it says, They brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the Spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked the Father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Man, there's some great things here. I'm not going to mention those right now, but there's, there's some powerful lessons for us to learn when we are ministering to other people in these verses. And in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Now, see, most people believe that you either believe or you don't believe, but you don't do a combination of the two. The average person will think if there is any doubt, then that means you have no faith. And that is not what the Scripture is saying. Jesus didn't rebuke this father when he said, I believe, but I've also got unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus didn't rebuke him and correct him. It is possible to believe and yet disbelieve at the same time. And if you do, that disbelief will negate and dilute and water down the impact that your faith would make. So when Jesus was answering the question about why couldn't we cast this spirit out, He didn't say it's because you have little faith, because it doesn't take big faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a pure faith that is not counterbalanced by unbelief. I've used this example many times, and I know many people have heard it, but if you had a weight in front of me, you could hook a horse or some force up to pull that weight, and they could exert enough force to drag that weight. But if you had a horse or, or some power of equal force pulling in the opposite direction, well, then they'd cancel out each other. And even though there was great power being exerted, the net effect would be zero because it negates. It cancels out the, uh, the opposing force. And this is the way that faith is. It doesn't take big faith. It just takes a pure faith that doesn't doubt. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That says that you have to say it, speak it, and not doubt in your heart. Again, it's that opposing force thing. Faith is powerful, and a tiny bit of faith is enough to see a mountain cast into the ocean if there isn't any opposing force of unbelief. So when Jesus told these disciples what the problem was, it wasn't that they didn't believe. They did believe. They spoke to the demons. They had seen it work in the past. That's the reason they had the question. If they hadn't have believed, that they could cast this demon out of this boy, they wouldn't have asked the question. They would have said, well, now I know why it didn't work because we didn't believe it. No, they did believe. They had faith, and yet their faith didn't see the right results. Why? Jesus said it was because they had unbelief. And this is really important that you understand this. It, you have faith. If you are born again, you are given God's supernatural faith. And many of you watching this program, 
THERE'S PROBABLY SOME PEOPLE WHO FLIP THROUGH THE DIAL. THEY DON'T BELIEVE THAT GOD DOES MIRACLES TODAY. THEY DON'T BELIEVE THAT HE ANSWERS PRAYER. AND THEY ALSO DON'T HAVE A QUESTION ABOUT WHY ISN'T IT WORKING FOR US BECAUSE YOU AREN'T BELIEVING FOR IT. BUT THERE ARE SOME PEOPLE WATCHING THIS WHO YOU KNOW YOU HAVE FAITH. YOU BELIEVE. YOU BELIEVE THAT IT IS GOD'S WILL FOR YOU TO BE WELL, FOR YOU TO PROSPER, FOR YOU TO SUCCEED. YOU HAVE SCRIPTURES TO STAND ON. YOU BELIEVE, AND YET YOU AREN'T SEEING THE RIGHT RESULTS. AND YOU ARE HAVING THIS QUESTION, WHY ISN'T IT WORKING? THE ANSWER IS THE SAME THING THAT JESUS GAVE TO HIS DISCIPLES OVER HERE. IT'S BECAUSE OF YOUR UNBELIEF. MOST PEOPLE HAVE THIS CONCEPT THAT IF SOMETHING ISN'T WORKING, THEY JUST NEED TO BELIEVE HARDER. AND SO THEY WILL CALL THE CHURCH PRAYER CHAIN, AND THEY WILL START TRYING TO GET PEOPLE TO JOIN WITH THEM, THINKING THAT IF I COULD GET A HUNDRED PEOPLE OR A THOUSAND PEOPLE, THAT BASICALLY OUR COLLECTIVE FAITH WILL BE ENOUGH TO MAKE SOMETHING HAPPEN. THAT'S A TOTALLY WRONG WAY OF LOOKING AT THINGS. AGAIN, IF YOUR FAITH IS AS SMALL AS A GRAIN OF MUSTARD SEED, YOU COULD SAY UNTO THIS SYCAMINE TREE, BE CAST INTO THE SEA, AND IT WOULD OBEY YOU. YOU DON'T NEED BIG FAITH, BUT YOU NEED A PURE FAITH. SO RATHER THAN TRYING TO BUILD YOUR FAITH AND GET BIGGER, STRONGER FAITH, WHAT YOU NEED TO DO IS ATTACK THE UNBELIEF. IMAGINE THAT YOU HAD TWO GAUGES HERE, SIMILAR TO A THERMOMETER, AND ONE GAUGE OVER HERE IS ON YOUR FAITH. MOST PEOPLE, THEY DON'T EVEN ACKNOWLEDGE THAT THIS GAUGE OVER HERE THAT MEASURES UNBELIEF. THEY JUST LOOK AT THIS, AND IF THEY AREN'T SEEING THE RESULTS THAT THEY WANT, THEY THINK, I JUST NEED TO GET MY FAITH BIGGER AND BIGGER AND BIGGER. JESUS IS SAYING A TINY BIT OF FAITH IS ALL IT TAKES. BUT THE PROBLEM IS, WE HAVE THIS GAUGE OVER HERE THAT IS UNBELIEF, AND THAT MAY BE THROUGH THE ROOF. AND MOST PEOPLE DON'T EVEN THINK ABOUT THAT. THEY JUST THINK, I NEED MORE FAITH. WELL, YOU COULD EITHER GO AND GET A MILLION PEOPLE COLLECTIVELY TO POOL THEIR FAITH TO TRY AND OVERCOME YOUR UNBELIEF, OR A SIMPLER WAY, SOMETHING THAT WILL WORK WHETHER YOU HAVE A MILLION PEOPLE TO AGREE WITH YOU OR NOT, IS TO JUST PULL THE PLUG ON YOUR UNBELIEF OVER HERE, DRAIN YOUR UNBELIEF DOWN TO ZERO, AND IF YOU HAVE TINY BIT OF FAITH, THAT'S ENOUGH TO SEE ANY MIRACLE THAT YOU NEED IF YOU DON'T DOUBT IN YOUR HEART AND HAVE THIS OPPOSING FORCE PULLING IN ANOTHER DIRECTION. MAN, THAT IS POWERFUL. THAT IS RADICAL TO ME. WHEN I FIRST GOT REALLY TURNED ON TO THE LORD, I STARTED BELIEVING THAT MIRACLES HAPPEN BECAUSE I READ THE BIBLE. I HEARD STORIES ABOUT HOW IT HAPPENED FOR OTHER PEOPLE, AND I THOUGHT, WELL, THE PROBLEM IS I JUST DON'T HAVE ENOUGH FAITH. AND ONE OF THE VERY FIRST THINGS THAT THE LORD TAUGHT ME WAS THAT AT, at SALVATION, I WAS GIVEN THE SAME QUALITY AND QUANTITY OF FAITH THAT JESUS HAS. IT'S NOT MY FAITH, IT'S HIS FAITH. PAUL SAID, THE LIFE THAT I NOW LIVE IN THE FLESH, I LIVE BY THE FAITH OF THE SON OF GOD. NOT FAITH IN THE SON OF GOD, BUT BY THE FAITH OF THE SON OF GOD. PAUL HAD THE FAITH OF JESUS. AND ROMANS 12, 3 SAYS, EVERY MAN HAS BEEN DEALT THE MEASURE OF FAITH, NOT A MEASURE OF FAITH. Uh, GALATIANS CHAPTER 2, VERSES 16 THROUGH 20 SHOWS THAT IT IS THE FAITH OF CHRIST, NOT JUST FAITH IN CHRIST, BUT THE FAITH OF CHRIST. YOU DON'T HAVE A FAITH PROBLEM IS WHAT I'M TRYING TO SAY. YOU'VE GOT FAITH. YOU'VE GOT AN UNBELIEF PROBLEM. AND HOW DOES UNBELIEF COME? THAT'S WHAT THIS WHOLE SERIES ON HARDNESS OF HEART IS ALL ABOUT. YOU COULD SAY, OVER IN HEBREWS CHAPTER 3, IT TALKS ABOUT LEST THERE BE IN ANY OF YOU AN EVIL HEART OF UNBELIEF, AND THAT TERM IS USED SYNONYMOUSLY WITH BEING HARDENED TOWARDS GOD IN THE PREVIOUS VERSE. SO WHEN YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT A HARDENED HEART, YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT A HEART 
of unbelief, that you are more sensitive to unbelief than you are to faith. Now, again, if you are truly born again, you have faith. You don't have a faith problem, but you've got an unbelief problem that comes because we have been considering and focusing upon the negative things too much. You know, one of the classic examples of this is Abraham. I've already talked about this, but just as a reminder, over in Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. If you go back to the very first of this teaching that I did, Mark chapter 6, verse 52 says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was yet hardened. Their heart was hardened because they didn't consider something. Whatever you fail to consider, you become hardened towards, cold, insensitive, and unfeeling. Well, it says in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. If you fail to consider it, you become hardened towards it. Or this little illustration that I was using about these two gauges, if you fail to think and consider, focus on things that minister unbelief, it just stops unbelief in your life. And if you don't have an unbelief problem, then your little mustard seed amount of faith is enough to see the dead raised, the blind eyes open. You don't have to have big faith. This whole concept of big faith versus little faith, I don't believe is scriptural. I do believe that you could have strong faith similar to, you know, when you put a tea bag in a, in a cup. That tea bag, if you just barely touch it in there, it may have just a tiny bit of tea flavor, but if you soak it in there, if you let it steep in there, you can, you can strengthen the influence of that tea in that uh, liquid that you've got it in. And likewise, you've got faith, but your faith can be strong or it can be diluted because of the unbelief. So the point I'm trying to get across is that instead of just working on, I need more faith and praying for more faith, you need to take what Jesus says, that a little bit of faith is enough to see a mountain cast into the sea. You don't need more faith. What you need to do is to stop unbelief. You need to harden your heart towards unbelief. You need to quit being sensitive to unbelief. And how do you do that? Well, there's many ways, but the bottom line, it, it all comes back to you need to quit listening to unbelief. You need to quit focusing on unbelief. You need to quit allowing unbelief to come to you unchecked because it is a weapon against you. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 54 and in verse 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So this is saying no weapon formed against you will prosper. And then the next phrase, and every tongue that rises against you. Words are weapons. And every time somebody speaks something to you, like say, for instance, you're believing God to be healed. You're believing God for your finances to be healed. You're believing God for your marriage to be healed or whatever it is. But if you are believing God in some area and then people come along and say, well, God doesn't do things like that anymore. God wants you to suffer. He's trying to teach you something. All of those are unbelief. It's against what God's Word says. And if you, those are weapons. And it says that you have to condemn them. I've learned this, that I've used this verse previous, and 
Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words are powerful, not only my words, but everybody's words. And if I have speak, people speak words of unbelief to me, those words will begin to affect my faith. It will begin to dilute and negate my faith unless I condemn them the way that it says this right here. You have to condemn those words. Man, when I hear somebody say it's flu season, I sit there and say, no, in the name of Jesus, there is no season that the Word of God won't work. When people say that there's an economic downturn, you need to plan on cutting back and not growing and expanding. It's a time to tighten your belt. I'll say no, because my God is going to supply my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If I don't counter those words, if I don't condemn them, those words will begin to dilute my faith. And that's what this whole teaching on hardness of heart is all about, is you can become so focused on God, you can redirect your heart and your thinking towards God that you only know how to respond to God. You don't know how to respond to unbelief. Every time unbelief comes at you, anytime you hear a word of unbelief, you counter it, you, you challenge it. And because of it, you just become so sensitive to God that you don't know how to disbelieve. You don't know how to have all of this. And when you get to that place, you'll find out that a little mustard seed amount of faith is more than enough to get you healed, to see the miracle that you're believing for. But again, most Christians are just trying to build their faith and they're ignoring their unbelief levels. You need to take your attention away from things. You need to get out of churches that are telling you God doesn't heal today, that miracles are of the devil, that God puts sickness on you to teach you something. You need, to, you need to flee that place and don't let the door hit you on the way out. You need to separate yourself from that. And if you're saying, well, I can stay there and it doesn't affect me. 1 Corinthians 15, says, don't be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. If you think that you can listen to doubt and unbelief and it's not affecting you, you are deceived. That's what the Word says. And you need to get out of there. And if you would drain that unbelief, if you would start countering it, and every time unbelief comes to you, you would condemn it and refuse to allow those words to have any influence over you, you would find out that your little mustard seed amount of faith would be more than enough to produce the miracle that you're believing for. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how your partnership with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is making a difference in every sphere of society. To help bring the gospel into the world of sports, Andrew has partnered with Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy and award-winning sportscaster J.B. James Brown to create Beyond the Game. Through this GospelTruth.tv original production, we have given a platform for highly respected athletes, coaches, and chaplains to share their personal stories of how their faith in Jesus brought them through impossible odds to come out victorious. We want to give our audience a look inside these coaches, players, athletes, and show them what makes them tick. Thank you, friends and partners, for enabling us to share the gospel in a way the world has not yet seen. Check out Beyond the Game with Tony and JB. Visit gospeltruth.tv today. It's your spirit that was changed when you got born again. It was created in righteousness and true holiness. And then according to Ephesians 1.13, you were immediately sealed by the Holy Spirit, vacuum packed 
the Holy Spirit has encased your perfect born-again spirit. If you are committed to God and following God, I'm telling you, you're a success if you're being sold into slavery. You're a success if you've been lied about and put in prison. God is pleased with you. God loves you. He's more pleased with you than what any of us know. It was like I had no reason anymore to be sick, to have pain, to be fearful. I thought that I was not good enough, that God could not forgive me everything that I've done in my life. But then I came into the teaching of Andrew Womack and I saw it on YouTube on, a, on a, one series about the true nature of God and it changed my life forever. And I just want to thank uh, Andrew Womack for all what he has preaching and uh, what a blessing to the whole world. I understood what the Bible was saying in my head, but I couldn't get that translation into my heart. And I realized that it was because my heart was so hardened by just my decisions, things I've done, and not letting go of my past, you know, kept putting more layers and layers and layers over my heart that the, the love of God couldn't penetrate through to illuminate the Word for me. Andrew's complete series titled Hardness of Heart is available in either a CD or DVD album and a book in either English or Spanish. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. Hardness of heart is something that just revolutionized me. It, it was a revelation that has really given direction to my life, that I try and spend as much time as possible considering, focused on the things of God, because it makes my heart sensitive to God. This will help you, so request these materials today. You can get these products as part of the Hardness of Heart package, which includes both books and your choice of either CD or DVD albums from both Hardness of Heart and How to Become a Water Walker. The Hardness of Heart package has a catalog value of $75, but you can receive all of these valuable resources for just $55. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. 
Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis. The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you are created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is?